Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. And welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, as always, Brandon, joining me, Nick and Dan. Nick, thank you for coming back. I know after a tough match like we had yesterday, you don't, it, you know, it's, it's not always easy to come talk Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, it, it was nice to, nice to see a win yesterday. Very excited about that. Um, you know, it's the international break throws you off. You know, we, we even recorded a little bit during the international break and it still felt like an eon. So yeah, really excited to be back talking about Premier football. Dan? Uh, from your perspective, uh, a little bit of an early morning, but not the worst that you've had to deal with. No, no, definitely not the worst thing to deal with because Chelsea is back and we are done with the doldrums that is uh, watching the U.S. men's team really uh, stuff, suffer and struggle through the uh, last couple of you know, weeks. So I'm very much looking forward to talking about a team that's winning and a team that is exciting. Absolutely. And to help us do that, we brought back longtime friend of the podcast, Liam Toomey, now at The Athletic UK. Liam, how's it going? I'm really good, guys. Thanks for having me back. I know it's been difficult trying to schedule this, but it's uh, yeah, quite a lot has happened to me this summer. <laughs> Absolutely. Good things, obviously. So All good things. Good, good, good. Um, Liam is in a coffee shop, so pardon the background noise, but trust me, the content he brings us in perspective will be well, well worth it. So uh, overall theme of today's shows will be flexibility, and we're going to be talking about how Lampard summoned the spirit of Claudio to tinkerman his way to a win at the Molyneux. 
Uh, obviously going to be touching on ta- Tammy Abraham and his historic start for Chelsea. The return of a mostly mostly improved defense. And then the other performances of note that might have fallen beneath the radar thanks to Tammy's hat trick. So um, let's kick it off, Dan, with some really quick iTunes reviews. I'll do some Patreons, and then we can talk about some gifts for the listeners. That sounds wonderful. Uh, So we need to get three, that's right, three Apple podcast reviews while the international break was going on. Chelsea was shut down for business, but you were wonderful and amazing, dropping some five-star love from uh, our Shidhathra. We had Justin and we had Kate Price, all leaving wonderful five-star reviews. So, uh, hey, if you'd like this early shout-out in the podcast, we would love for you to leave a five-star review, and we would love to thank you for it in the next episode, Brandon. Absolutely. Huge shout-out to Andrew, who upped his pledge, so more perks coming your way. MB731 and Jared all joining the Patreon family. Welcome. Uh, Stickers, prizes, access to Discord all coming your way. Um, Nick, real quick, you have some promo codes if people are looking to get some gear. Right. As always, code LONDONPOD at World Soccer Shop for 10% off. In addition to that, we are doing a really exciting contest um, for uh, to, to celebrate the release of these three new Chelsea kits from the 1920 season. Uh, we are doing a evergreen content series around Chelsea's Road to Munich, and we want to hear about... Um, either through voice on the anchor app or through the comments in the, in the social media posts, um, what you thought the best or most important moments leading up to the, um, the Munich uh, final were. And so we want to get your perspective. We want to make sure that we have a lot of different perspectives for the series. So if you're able to do that, um, you will be eligible to win one of three new kits. Um, so we're going to give those out. Thanks for our friends at World Soccer Shop. And obviously, Talisman Caps, uh, London Blue 10 is the code for 10% off $35 or more. Um, we're also going to possibly do some custom merch with them, uh, which will be awesome. And we're really excited about that. And we'll have a new contest coming in October. So stay tuned. And then Classic Football Shirts, we're doing an awesome video touching on some of the best Chelsea kids the last 25 years while we're in London. We're going to go back to their shop. It's going to be awesome. So uh, stay in touch with all of that stuff. And uh, yeah, excited to get into it. All right. Well, let's go. It's it's match review time. We played Wolves in the Premier League at the Molyneux Stadium. Liam, what were they celebrating? Their 130th year at the stadium? Yep. Yep. Um, I, it was my first visit there, actually. And uh, I was really, really pleased to be able to tick off one of English football's grand old stadiums. For one reason or another, I've missed Chelsea's last two trips there and I was really impressed with the stadium you get a really nice view it's got an excellent atmosphere as well the home crowd were really really good um, even once even once Chelsea took control of the game I thought uh, the Wolves fans were excellent and um, overall it made a, a really good impression although see Chelsea set out to ruin the big day and they did. hey Chelsea are good at that I feel like that is uh, right up our alley uh, anyways, scoreline, Wolves 2, Chelsea 5. I don't remember, Nick, the last time we said Chelsea scored five goals in a Premier League match. Yeah, I mean, it just, if if you watched the, th- you know, the first 20 minutes, you would have thought nil-nil was on the cards. Um, and then it was just a scoring explosion after that. So, yeah, lots, lots of exciting things to talk about. Um, and I think we're 
we're going to dive into the specifics, Dan, but it was certainly a more exciting match than the first 20 minutes let on. Yeah, it was uh, last time was five was Redbird, uh, like, you know, Salzburg in the preseason. But uh, you have to go back much further to find a uh, five five goal extravaganza in the uh, in the Premier League for uh, for Chelsea. All right. Well, rolls right into the lineup, Dan, because uh, this was not anything we'd seen out of Frank yet this season. Yeah, well, we'll just drop the names and we'll get into this as the larger part one. But uh, Keppa between the sticks, Tomori, Christensen, and Rudiger as the starting back three. That's right. It's not Antonio Conte on the touchline. It was Frank Lampard. We saw Marcus Alonso in for an injured Emerson, Kovacic, Jorginho, and Azpilicueta as that four and then a either 2-1 or a 3 of Mount, Abraham, and William. We did see cameos from Ross Barkley, Zuma, and Mishi on the bench, but unused were Pedro, Willy Caballero, Ali Giroux, and then Christian Pulisic. All right, so real quick, some top-level stats. Chelsea with 56% possession, 15 shots, 6 on target, um, and put in 14 tackles. Two yellow cards. Um, and, and that's about it. So, um, right away, Liam, I think we should go back to the lineup. This is a huge talking point and understandably so. So, you know, Lampard showed off a little more tactical flexibility and opted to field three at the back when selecting his team to face Wolves. Are you surprised that he did this? I mean, I know he has some injuries or some different player decisions, especially in the midfield, um, but again, kind of what was your initial reaction and, and what did you make of maybe why Frank went with a back three? Well, I was surprised uh, initially because Lampard hadn't even looked at a three-man defense in preseason. Um, he, he'd obviously switched between 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, and even a 4-4-2 diamond, but it, would all, it had always been with a back four. I'm pretty sure, I might be wrong because I didn't watch Derby every week, um, that he didn't really play a back three there either. Uh, but on an, on the other hand, it didn't really surprise me because as soon as I saw it, I thought, right, that makes sense because Wolves have a very, nowadays, unconventional style um, of playing with, with three at the back and the, and the back three and a, and a really solid midfield as well and a clear counter-attacking philosophy. Although, of course, Chelsea fans will be very familiar with that from the Antonio Conte days. Um, and I knew that Lampard had some kind of form for tweaking his approach week to week to to match up with the demands of the opponent. So I thought it was it was an interesting thing. Um, it, I was thinking actually at the time when we saw the team sheet, this is the first time in almost two years since Conte actually switched formation that we we were going into. Chelsea walking out onto the pitch and not being 100% sure how they might line up. Um, but in the end, it, it, it was a back three. It was wing backs. I think um, the defence looked a lot more solid for it. Marcus Alonso looked a lot more comfortable, even against Adama Traore, who was a, a, a physical sort of mismatch nightmare for him. Um, and it, it, it did satisfy what I interpreted immediately to be Lampard's primary motive in doing this which was to stop Chelsea looking like they would concede every single time the other team attacked them and uh, I thought for the first half an hour until Tamori's goal opened things up it didn't really look like either team was going to score. Yeah I was I was going to say that Liam it, it, I think the the reason for the formation switch to me was Alonso coming in for Emerson 
you know, we saw Alonzo play a lot at left back last year and, and never really looked like he was extra comfortable playing that far back and then having to advance that far. So as a wing back, we saw him under Conte produce some really good performances. I think it made a, a heck of a lot of sense for that side and also for, you know, a recently struggling as Piliqueta to have a little bit more cover in the form of Antonio Rudiger um, so that he could get forward as well. And I think that system, um, I think, spread Wolves out defensively and made them a little bit uncomfortable to ha- to not be able to bunker down in such a low block. And I think it also, what I you know I was seeing too, Nick, is that it, it looked like it also gave us the, the freedom to move up and down the flanks a little quicker. And, you know, I think that even though... Brandon, that, uh, you know, Lonzo had a lot of license to move forward and, and did a nice job of getting back to kind of lock down Traore, which was, I think, a understatedly impressive performance there, is that, you know, we we were probably looking for the goals to eventually come, and it came almost as if it felt like we were kind of going back to, like, that, uh, that, that suffer ball FC for a little bit where we were just waiting to be comfortable with it before we could actually pounce you know yeah it's uh you know i i guess i i kind of been trying to figure out what was it to get the best out of the players he have versus counter or combat what wolves have going forward you know i think a lot of us have talked about how christensen's probably best in a back three there's been talk about what are you gonna do dave right center back um, he's even kind of mentioned going back. So Liam, I guess I'm more interested in, you know, I guess what you think, is it more of a Frank still trying to get the best out of the players he has versus, Hey, wolves have this threat we need to, um, combat, I guess, do you, do you kind of have a percentage of maybe 50, 50 or, you know, what, how you allocate the the reasoning behind this switch i do think it was it was in equal parts about wolves and about chelsea i think lampard was quite open prior to the international break that he's still looking for the right combinations all over the pitch um, so even chelsea even though chelsea was scoring um goals primarily through tammy abraham i don't think he was entirely happy with the way that the attack was functioning certainly the uh, the way the midfield was protecting that that back line and the individual errors in that back line itself. So the shifting things around, going to a back three, I think uh, enabled every individual part of that defence to feel a little bit more secure in themselves. It, it put a couple of players, you mentioned Christensen and Alonso, I think in positions where they were more comfortable. And Lampard also mentioned afterwards that he he wanted to, to switch to that system in part to get... Mason Mount and William into positions that would trouble Wolves offensively. So you saw them quite a lot drifting into those little half spaces in front of Wolves' back three, um, but behind their, their sort of deep sitting field. And um, for the first half an hour, when Wolves were able to really constrict things, we didn't really see much of Mount or William. But once that Tamori goal went in, and it, I, you know, yesterday I think or Saturday I think was the archetypal example of goals change games. As soon as Tamori scored that goal, Wolves are not set up to play from behind. They, the gaps between their, their lines did grow. And as soon as that happened, Mount and William were able to come into the game and, and Chelsea suddenly looked really, really good. Yeah, I, I was I was kind of talking about this, Liam, with, uh, with my friends at Kansas City yesterday. The passing 
for the first half, even, you know, even after the, the Tamori goal was, it felt Conte-esque, slow, methodical, pass around, pass back around, like all the things that we were uh, so familiar with um, just two, two seasons ago. And then the second half, it felt like they were really um, increasing the tempo. Um, did you kind of see that as well? Yeah, and I think it really helped that in the in the center of that midfield, you've got guys in Jorginho and Kovacic who are very adept at switching tempo and point of attack. I mean, Jorginho is not the quickest, but he is very, very good at keeping the ball moving um, even faster than he can. And Kovacic is, is fast. He can dribble out tight spaces. He can carry the ball, but he can also, um, he also has very good instincts for changing the direction the way that where the play is going and giving Chelsea a little bit of an added element I didn't think either of them until Jorginho flipped that ball over the top for Abraham looked like they were threatening to break walls down but they did help um, Chelsea get on top in terms of the possession game and put walls in, in positions where they were they were a little bit uncomfortable I think that system at nil-nil against a team like Wolves wasn't working particularly well because as, a, as I tweeted at the time, when you don't have individual talents, creative talents like Eden Hazard or Cesc Fabregas to, to make the difference as Conte did, um, it can suddenly look very functional, as you say, and you're just doing some slow passing circuits without going. But it all worked out well for Chelsea. They got a little bit of good fortune with Tamori's goal. Um, spectacular good fortune and then they made the absolute most of it with some really ruthless finishing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but before we get into all, all of that stuff, um, obviously Zuma came in uh, and he's had to slot into that back three as well. Um, how, did, how do you think he did and is there any concern we should have for Rudiger coming off at half? Well, I think um, we, we saw how it happened with Rudiger. He, he chased the ball off the pitch and there was sort of a, a, a little metal grate um, which he kind of slipped on uh, as he was trying to steady himself and he seemed to tweak his groin as he did that. Uh, Lampard said afterwards that it didn't sound like nothing because he did feel some pain in it, but at the same time, I think uh, I don't get the impression that Rudiger will be out too long. This certainly is on the same scale as uh, as the knee injury that, that ended the season last year. Um, I think maybe, maybe Valencia might be a little bit too soon for him, but I think his, his recovery will probably be days rather than weeks. As for Tamori, I thought he looked absolutely excellent, and I'm not saying that because of his goal, because that's not something you bank on. Um, uh, there was a really nice tweet from Joe Edwards saying, showing a picture of Tamori the kid saying this was the last time he scored from that distance, which I thought was very nice. Um, but I, in, in many ways, I was actually even more impressed with Tamori's role in the second goal um, because it is, you see so many centre-backs just sort of trot out of the defence aimlessly with no real plan in mind. But he, he drove with purpose and he still had the clear-headedness once he got into the final third to actually pick a pass that put Wolves in a really difficult situation. It's a little bit of luck that it, it broke to Abraham, but I thought um, Tamori was excellent there. And he defended solidly all game. He, he looked really at home in a back three. I think he played there occasionally at youth level. Um, and certainly versatility defensively was, was his biggest attribute coming through Chelsea's academy. And I think um, at Molyneux we saw why. And then Zuma? 
as far as like his ability to slot into that back three? Yeah, it's it, it's a tricky one. I mean, he, he's gotten a lot of individual um, criticism for sort of being on the pitch when bad things happen. It's not always been his fault that he's kind of been there. Um, it doesn't help that he looks clumsy and positionally he, he can at times be um, less than perfect. But I, I don't think he's he's demonstrably worse than than most of other most of Chelsea's other defenders, and he does bring that physical element. I can see why um, Lampard leans towards him in that sense because aerially he's a real force. He's able to bully centre forwards. I do think he has a role to play, but he, the season hasn't begun brilliantly for him. I think giving away that penalty on the opening day uh, was particularly bad. He knows he's in a situation where it's really make or break for him at Chelsea. This is his moment to to prove that he's either good enough or not. And confidence will play a big part in that. So I hope his confidence has taken a few knocks in the in the first few weeks. I hope he can he can build it back up again because Chelsea will certainly need him regardless of, of how long Rudiger's out. Uh yeah, for you know, definitely for sure. And it's it's good to again just to see some tactical flexibility. I think Lambert's talked about a lot. Um, you know, that's that's what he expects out of his players. His team is that flexibility. Um, but Nick, the most flexible player right now is Tammy, Tammy, Tammy. He continues to dispel the myth of a cursed number nine. Okay, he continues to dispel the myth of being a tap-in striker, a championship striker. He had a flipping hat trick this match he took home the kit took home the match ball it's getting framed up how good has tammy been this season and you and i are the ones that are going to eat crow the most and that's okay yeah i mean he's he's making a fool out of me on a weekly basis <laughs> i i tweeted that out and and i mean it um it's impressive you know i think the areas that i i think i was most worried about with tammy were not you know, finishing, it was more positioning and hold up play and involving other players in the attack. And I think he shows the trademark selfishness that you need from a, from a striker. And I think over the last couple of weeks, it's shown um, that he's also, you know, kind of a selfless player too. He's willing to take a little bit of a beating to involve other players in an attack. And just he has a knack to be in the right place at the right time and, and I don't know you know how you know I don't I don't think he's gonna score a hat trick or two goals every single week for the rest of the season although I'd be delighted if he did um <laughs> but it just seems like he's he's playing with such confidence and such belief and and uh yeah I mean I have to I have to eat a little bit of crow here I, I he's doing stuff that I did not know if he was capable of doing at this level and um at least this early, you know, I thought it might take him a little a while, Dan, to get up to speed in the Premier League. Well, if if Alvaro Morata and offsides were Apple Maps, uh, Tammy Abraham is is the Google Maps equivalent because he is just always finding himself in the right location and is very precise in where he needs to be to receive a cross, to complete a header, to knock it in from inside the box. Uh, it's it's been it's been wonderful. Um, you know, I think you, you mentioned a couple parts of his game that you've been excited to watch progress. Yeah, you know, I think the, the positioning is great. I think that's probably always been a part of his game. What we're seeing as well is that he is also able to really bother Premier League level center backs and uh, make it difficult for him. 
you know, I think that we haven't always had in recent memory uh, a striker who is capable of being just an absolute bother and annoyance. You know, I think you have to go back looking at Diego Costa and the way that he just terrorized the the you know the opposition center backs. And I think Liam, that's the difference between what Tammy is doing, where he becomes a bother to the point where he can find a breakthrough moment. Um, different than maybe some of the strikers we've had to suffer through previously. Well, I think uh, Abraham is showing sides his game in recent weeks that even people at Chelsea didn't realise that, not that he had, but that he could show as as difference-making attributes at this level. Um, Lampard and, and his staff have been working with, with Abraham a lot on trying to round out his game. We've known he can always score goals. He's got great instincts for that. Both feet with his head in the box. He gets into good positions consistently. But the things that that made him a kind of unpolished diamond as a teenager were how awkward he could be linking play with the ball at his feet at times, um, trying to manufacture his own chances. And I think that's why, in particular... I mean, as Lampard pointed out, the variety of his goals against Wolves was really impressive. But the thing that really impressed me about his third goal and why it felt like a kind of star-making moment almost was because it's something we've not really seen Abraham do too much, which is actually face up a defender, beat him with skill, with pace, with timing, with balance. Um, and create an opportunity for himself to score. And I thought that was incredibly impressive. And he, he's, he's riding a wave of confidence right now. I think it's a real testament to what young players, young talented players can do when they feel that anything is possible on the football pitch. And, and he feels that way at the moment. He feels that every shot he takes, every attempt he has on goal is going to go in. And at the moment, more often than not, he's right. Well, I think that also is where Lampard deserves a lot of early credit, not just for the way he's come into the squad, but his willingness to invest in Tammy to stick with him, Brandon, and put him in a position to be successful. You know, I think it was something that was a roll the dice, you know, I mean, not maybe with what he had seen, but the fact that, you know, obviously Tammy's last foray into the Premier League was with Swansea was a little bit of a challenge. And even though he's uh, he's done it at a championship level with high you know, high returns, uh, you can see where some people might have questioned. But you know he's been rewarded, and I think that again has to be a credit to Frank too. Well, for sure. I mean, it was well documented yesterday on Twitter that you know Chelsea wanted to send Tammy to Wolves last season in January so he could prove himself in the Premier League. Obviously, Swansea wasn't great, but to be fair, that wasn't him. That was all no. of Swansea. <laughs> Um, you know, and so he is, was unproven in the Premier League until Frank said, here you go, here's your run, um, and has stayed with him and given him the minutes to learn and grow. And Tammy has, I think, had a better start to this season than even he could have thought. And I'm sure he has all the confidence in the world in himself and his talents. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, that was a big call. 
and it is paying off big time for Frank and Tammy. Uh, speaking of big day out, so Tammy Abraham is the first player in the Premier League history to score a hat trick and an own goal in the same game. Uh, hashtag involved. That coming from Opta Joe. Uh, and the other one from Opta Joe is three. Tammy Abraham, 21 years old, 347 days, has become the youngest ever Chelsea player to score a Premier League hat trick and is the youngest Englishman to do so in the competition since one Raheem Sterling, who did it versus Bournemouth in October 2015. Absolutely out outstanding um you know liam this is kind of crazy that all 11 of our goals so far have come from academy graduates it's absolutely nuts um and i think it's it's just kind of leaning into the narrative which everyone wants to go with at the moment of lampard's youth revolution and, and how things are going i think lampard would probably rather that Chelsea weren't quite so reliant on a bunch of 21-year-olds, but I think it's giving him immense personal satisfaction um, to see the way that Abraham, the way that Mount in particular, those two are playing, the way that they're making a difference in the final third against really good teams. Um, I mean, Abraham, yeah, OK, his first four goals came against teams that were in the championship last season, but Wolves are a very good side, a very good defensive side, and they were made to look a bad team. I don't think they were at their best, but they were made to play even worse because of the way that Chelsea attacked and Abraham took his chances. It's, the, the stat is crazy. They've already... And there are no end of stats that, that are crazy at the moment relating to Chelsea's academy prospects. Abraham is already joint second with Loftus-Cheek uh, for goals scored for Chelsea by academy graduates in the Abramovich era. He's only played four games. Um, or five games. So it's, it's pretty mad. I think this season is going to break every record that Chelsea have in that regard. And um, and we know there will be a down, a down period. Abraham will not keep scoring like this just until the end of the season. There will be a down spell. These these 21-year-olds will hit a wall at some stage and, and that will be a test in its own way. But it's hugely encouraging for Chelsea uh, that their best academy players are taking this unique opportunity that's come about because of the transfer ban, because of Lampard and Morris being in there and, and this change of direction. Those circumstances can all be right, but the players still have to make the most of it. I think it's, it's really satisfying for Lampard, but obviously for Chelsea fans everywhere that it's actually happening. Well, that's the point, Nick, is that, yeah, you can expect them to have a big influence but the fact that they have all 11 goals including one from Fikai Tamori as center back um it it just it amplifies everything so far this season yeah and I mean it's it's not to say that those are the only guys producing chances right I mean Mm -hmm. Emerson got really unlucky on the opening day to hit the post twice um Pulisic yeah Pulisic's been unlucky uh Kovacic Kovacic, slightly unlucky. Zuma, <laughs> Zuma headed a bullet yesterday that just barely kind of rose out of the bar. So th- there are there are opportunities coming from other players. It's just the ones who are finishing, um, you know, as Michael Davies said on, on Wednesday of last week, the ones who are putting the ball on the other sides of the goalkeeper are the ones who are, who are just happening to come through the academy. So uh, there might be something to that whole don't shoot at the goalkeeper thing. Um, and, uh, and I think it's going pretty well for Tammy. Absolutely. 
All right, well, we're going to take a real quick break. Uh, appreciate the support from the sponsor. But when we get right back, it will be talking about the defense and other notable performances from the day. So we'll be right back. All right, Chelsea fans, right back into it. We are talking about the defense. Yes, we allowed Wolves to score a goal or two, but, you know, Tammy, well, I guess, sorry, Wolves scored one. Tammy scored the other, technically, allowing two in total. Uh, But it obviously didn't get, it wasn't a downfall like it was for us last time out. Um, Obviously, the fact that we went to a three-back, five-back set, Dan, is is very different, but even more of a talking point that that was the fact that Rudiger was back in as well. So what did you think about Rudiger before we kind of get into the the formation side of the back line? I think it was great to have him back. I think I've, I've missed uh, hashtag hustle in our lineup. It's uh, a joy to, to get him back in the starting 11. What we, we did get to see yesterday was a couple of times just the, the wonderful pace and his ability to anticipate where the opposition attacker is going to try to drive the ball and the way that he's able to intercept to play them off is is quite wonderful you know I'm remembering last season or the past couple seasons Nick the times when he's had to be bodied up against uh, a Mo Salah or an Aguero and his ability just to um make their lives difficult in the way that Tammy was making the uh, Wolves defenders lives difficult. And uh, yeah, it was a joy to start to see that again, maybe a little bit of rust that he needed to knock off, but overall it was uh, nice to see him back on the pitch. Nick, Nick, from your perspective, um, we've talked a lot about Rudiger missing his leadership. Um, And, and a lot of us just assume that the second he's fit, he's going right back in the lineup is going to fix some issues. Obviously, maybe a slight injury today, but let's think about his leadership skills and maybe things that he fixed today that we've had problems with. Do you feel like those two points were validated? I mean, it's 45 minutes of football, so it's, you know, I think it might be a little exaggeration to to say either way. But, I mean, I think there is just a common experience that he brings that, um, you know, Zuma hasn't played for Chelsea, but, you know, before this season for quite a long time. So, I think he's getting back into it. Obviously, Fakayo just got his first two starts at Chelsea in the Premier League. Uh, he's kind of learning and growing. Christensen is, you know, a guy who has the most experience over the last couple of seasons in the back line and I think showed a lot of calm and composure today. But the back line just worked together. You had three really comfortable center backs on the ball, uh, passing to two very confident wing backs on the ball. Uh, even though it was a little slow and choppy at the beginning, Liam, it felt like it, it felt a lot more solid. It felt like there were less mistakes in that group than, than previously in the league. Yeah, it did. And I think it helps each individual defender psychologically to know that if they do make a mistake, there's more than likely going to be someone behind them to cover. Uh, that's that's what really helps when, when Conte was able to, to, to switch to a back three and, and have such an amazing effect. 2016-17 season. I was a little bit surprised that Lampard did this without having a ton of time to, to properly drill the team in it. But I think it, it reflects well on the fact that you've got a lot of experienced defenders, but also the ones that aren't so experienced are still very positionally versatile and tactically versatile. We've already spoken about Tamori and his ability to play in different systems. And um, 
I think Chelsea have a lot of modern defenders with a couple with considerable upside. And we'll see how it goes, but I do think in the short to medium term, certainly Rudiger does have a big role to play when fit because there aren't many people in the squad that, that have legitimately strong personalities um, that are imposing on the pitch and on the pitch that, that everyone sort of respects and looks up to. And I think he's certainly one of those. And he's still slightly on the younger side. He's younger than you think he is. He's only about 26. And he's certainly getting to that point where he is going to be a senior pro by status. And I think he's going to start embracing that that role within the squad and within the team. I hope, um, you know, for him, obviously his role on the German national team, uh, and just his natural leadership abilities leans, leads him to, to being an important spine player for Chelsea. And, uh, you know, this is a step in the right direction for him. And we just, again, high hopes is the best way to put it. Uh, it's easy to support a guy like that who just beams with, you know, energy and excitement and, and camaraderie. So uh, next to him, though, we had Christensen, which is a little bit interesting, Dan. He's in an, a comfortable position. I'd say for him, right? Playing a bit of a sweeper in the middle of a back three and um, just kind of touch on him briefly so he can get into Tamori. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 we don't need to talk too much about Christensen because I think he offered a, a pretty solid performance overall. One key um, interception in the box where he was able to do a little bit of a slide tackle to play the ball off, uh, showing a little bit more of the, the physical side of his game you know i think there's a lot of times we look at him and think about him as just this cool as a cucumber kind of guy doesn't want to make the um extreme physical play but i I think he showed off that today and and again he's he's comfortable on the ball so you know if we're going to go into back three he's the the perfect individual out of our center back offerings to to be that central defender who's the in charge of distribution uh but yeah I, i think Tomori, Nick, is the one that we really want to talk about and praise because I actually think Tomori, even though he had a couple of, of errant passes, um, you know, was also really good about uh, providing the appropriate cover for both Alonzo and even Christensen at times as the uh, Wolves attack press forward, especially in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought Kyle was outstanding yesterday. Um, and, you know, if if you were a person that was worried about Marcus Alonso playing in this team, you know, I think the combination, the comfortability between uh, Fakayo and, and Marcus was amazing. Um, you know, Adama Traore is, is a absolute like sprinter in a football shirt or, or a linebacker or a rugby player. I mean, he's just he's so gifted um, that it'd be tough for even the speediest of player, or the most physical player to kind of keep up with him. And uh, while he did get in behind a couple of times, there was not a whole lot of room for him to operate when he did. And I think that's just a credit to the teamwork. And, you know, for Kyle, obviously, uh, you know, the goal is what everyone's going to be talking about, but even against Sheffield and, and against Wolves, Liam, I thought his positioning has been great. I think his uh, passing ability is, has really shown through. Um, especially, you know, when you compare him to maybe a Zuma or something like that. Um, I'm just really impressed, and, and I think he's more physical than he looks, maybe. Yeah, Tamori doesn't really have a weakness in his game. I remember watching him in in those sort of dominant Chelsea youth teams, and 
he struck me as as sort of like a young uh, Ivanovic, as Pilaqueta type, just a, a, a born, versatile defender. He was good positionally in, in, in a variety of positions. Just had a natural sense of where to be, a natural instinct for where the danger would be coming from. Um, and he's obviously also very coachable and, and, and he's learned a lot, particularly under Lampard in this last sort of year and a bit. But he's, he, he's very, very good at a lot of different things. And I think, for, especially for young players, sometimes it's just as important when you're trying to break into a team not to have a weakness as to have a, an incredible strength. You know, I wouldn't look at Tamori and say there's anything he does already to an absolute world-class standard, and maybe you can get there. But the, the most important thing about him is that if you were an attacker looking at him and thinking, what can I target? There isn't really a lot there. I think, you know, outside of his his another great day out, again, Lampard's playing him because of how good he is in training, which I think is, again extremely important and kind of talks about frank's management style i mean look guys his goal was unreal like it was fantastic the fact he had the confidence to even hit that dan i think is uh kind of surprising uh i mean he was a good like a healthy 30 yards out maybe even a little bit further and Eh, probably 35 you know and he just put his foot through it and gave it a chance essentially probably assumed maybe someone would get a flick or something but I mean, come on. It just absolute, like, craziness. Craziness. Well, again, as Liam said, he looked polished. He looked ready to go. He didn't look like he was out of sorts. I think this back three suited him better than in the the, the back four in our last match. So that was a, a nice bit of change for him. He was able to offer good support to both Alonzo, who was fending off uh, Traore, and then also... Uh, you know, help Christensen appropriately, really was able to help uh, regain possession. Uh, he did that 11 times, uh, seven interceptions, three tackles, uh, won 87.5% of his eight duels. So overall, just, um, you know, eye test and stats would tell you that he had a really great day out. So I think his future is extremely bright, particularly if we feel like we're going to keep a back three. Um, you know, he... You know, Christian said probably is a lock in that one. Rudiger would be a lock. And then it's really the third spot that would be up for grabs. And, and Tomori looks like he'd be in the pole position uh, to have that one. So, uh, yeah, uh, again, not a bad thing for Frank Lampard to have selection headaches or selection nightmares. That is only a thing that benefits us, particularly as we get into a very, very congested part of the season with cup games uh, and Champions League coming up now. Yeah, and, and uh, Tamori actually said on the stand app that as P was calling him back to prevent another counterattack after that kind of failed uh, set piece, and then the ball just ended up at his feet. He said, why not? <laughs> I guess I'll have a pop. Um, and then apparently in training, uh, Willie's been... Willie Caballero has been giving him uh, a whole bunch of shit for hitting him over the bar. And, and I guess he did this time. So uh, it's, it's just awesome to see the personality kind of shine through there, Liam and, and a guy who's clearly confident and clearly has the, you know, already knows the ropes at Chelsea and is able to kind of interact with Frank on a different level. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you can see with, with Tamori and with Mount in particular, that they have that comfort level with Lampard from having worked with him extensively last year. He, all of these young guys are keenly aware that Lampard is 
arguably Chelsea's greatest ever player. They know that he has this aura of legend around him. But partly because of the way that Lampard has conducted himself, but also partly because of the, the nature of these guys. They, they also know how to deal with him on a human level and how to, how to build that relationship. And I think um, that Chelsea's academy deserves a lot of credit because, as Lampard pointed out after the Wolves game, they're not just forming really talented footballers, they're also forming quite well-rounded people who can come into elite dressing rooms, um, but also into lower league dressing rooms online. And they can they can fit in and they can get on with everyone and they can um, they can take what they what they can, everything that's possible out of the experience and grow. And um, I think we've seen that spectacularly with with, with Mount and Tamori and Derby last year. Tammy Abraham obviously on a couple of times before now. Um, and they're going from strength to strength at Chelsea because of the lessons they've learned so far. So I think they're, they're all good personalities. But the fact that they're all coming at the same time as well helps because they're, they're inseparable at Cobham. Particularly, you know, Tamori and Abraham have known each other since they were seven years old. And they're, they're childhood friends. Um, Mount has been playing with them for, for a long, long time. Those, those three guys are really, really close. And that can only help all of them uh, day to day and, and yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Having a group of friends kind of in a similar situation is so helpful for them because they have that built-in support network all kind of going through at the same time. But while it's easy to talk about the youth nonstop this season, we need to follow Frank's advice here and give credit to some of the senior players as well because they are as much, if not, well, no. Well, we'll say they're as much, you know, of an importance to the team, just as much as these youth players. So, um, this type of result continues to show the sh- show. Uh, this result continues to showcase the importance of a team and everyone doing their job. So, William, Nick, I want to give you a chance to to talk about William, who again, not a lot of minutes so far this season. Um, but had a had a really great day out. Yeah, William grew into the game. Um, you know, he he did not look confident the first 20, 30 minutes at all. And I think uh upon the the first couple goals going in, I think, you know, like Liam mentioned earlier, the the gaps between Wolves lines really opened up and I think allowed him to kind of float around the field, maybe not stay on the left or on the right but really float into the middle and then kind of duck in and out, Dan. And um, I think you started to see a little bit more of the trademark William movement and speed. And, you know, he, he has to get fit too. I mean, that's what people don't realize. He's just recently back and, and isn't quite in the best shape yet. So um, I think there were some more promising signs from him uh, after this match. Well, he didn't have a preseason. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have a preseason, it's hard to acclimatize and, and get ready for the start of a real season. And so when you're having to go in in live matches and be a contributor due to other players like Pedro being injured, it's it's a tall order. And I think what we did see, to, the, to your credit and to Liam's credit, once the first goal came in, William started getting space. And I mean, look, he, you know, if we talk about like uh, expected goal chain, right, which is the build up to an actual goal, um, you know, the, the Alonzo cross into Abraham for the header doesn't happen if William doesn't beat two players off the ball once with a, a quick pass and acceleration and then an acceleration and an ability to kind of bobble it past and keep up. 
And you know, that was a really nice thing to see. You know, we, we haven't always seen him show that burst of pace, uh, show that ability to kind of beat the, the one-on-one. Sometimes there's a little overthinking that can occur with William where he'll drag the ball out and kind of wait a couple seconds for people to catch up. But also William benefits from the fact that when you have Tammy and Abraham, um, Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount up there, there's a little bit more pace on the pitch to be able to recover quickly and get players into positions where you might be able to really counter and really make a, make a great goal happen, Brandon. So I think ultimately it was, yeah, it was a great day out for William. Again, needs minutes, needs time. A lot of this stuff that is he's going to grow into it uh, a little bit. Um, I think another one we should touch on who is someone, again, talk about not a lot of minutes here, is going to be Kovacic, or I'm sorry, Marcos Alonso. So, again, a huge opportunity for him. You know, even the uh, the Wolves publication in, in Birmingham publishing something about how it's going to be a long day out for Marcos Alonso. Liam, what wasn't that bad of a day for him, was it? No, I thought he played well. And um, I kind of suspected he might do as soon as it became clear that he was going to be playing at left wing back. I, I thought he, he, wouldn't have, um, he, he wouldn't have as bad a game as some might have been fearing he would. I think Alonso really showed the value of players feeling comfortable in their roles. We have uh, a mountain of evidence at this stage to show that Marcus Alonso is not really a fullback. Um, he, he is, however, a very good wingback in the right system with the right people around him. Um, and he, you know, he didn't he didn't scale the heights yesterday that he did under Conte, but he did a, a very solid job against a winger or a wingback, I guess, in Adama Traore at the moment who poses unique problems. He's a very, very difficult player to prepare for in training because you don't have anyone else quite like him. Um, and it was a team effort, as you mentioned, Tamori, I think, was excellent covering behind him. His speed across the ground in particular is a really good complement for, for Alonso's limitations. Um, but Alonso carried out the system well. He, he, he didn't do anything silly. He, he, he played the right pass at the right time. And he supplied the cross for, for Abraham's second goal. So I thought he had a, a, a very solid game overall. And there's every reason to think that if Emerson is out for a few games and Lampard decides to stick with this formation, having seen a very promising performance, there's every every reason to think that Alonso can continue to play at this level or, or maybe even better. All right. Well, look. You know, I think the important thing here is Alonzo, kind of like Christensen, was set up for success because of the formation. I think everyone, no one is going to complain if Alonzo's playing left wing back. The concerns are if he's left back a little bit. So uh, let's go ahead and round this one up real quick. Look, I'm going to give you an opportunity, Nick. Give your love to Mason Mount. Another fantastic day. The kid continues to deliver. Man, yeah, I- Again, a guy that grew into the game, right? Whereas we've seen him fade a little bit in previous matches, I think really got stronger as the game went on. Um, I, I think a shout, Dan, I'll, I'll let you get into the goals or the goal attempts and then finally getting the goal. But what I was most impressed about from Mason in this game was his tracking back. There were three or four opportunities in the box that he had tracked back to help Marcus Alonso out and was able to you know either tackle or uh, intercept balls that were that were probably going to stay in our half and i think just a tremendous job of being an all-around footballer in this match 
I mean, it was not an easy task for him. No, and I think, again, he's also getting accustomed to life in the Premier League. And so, you know, not not that we really want to try to grade people on curves, but, you know, I think we have to kind of add the appropriate level of context. But when you have a goal, almost 80% pass accuracy, you know, a couple tackles won, some dribbles won, you know, an almost goal as well. You know, he's, he's getting into the right positions and if he can keep his conversion up currently second highest scorer for the team, I mean, scored more than, you know, uh, Giroux added as a striker for Chelsea last season, in the premier league, you know, he's our second leading scorer at the moment. Like he, he is, whether you uh, don't enjoy him or enjoy him, uh, he is going to find a place into this 11 as long as he continues doing what he did today. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think his future is extremely bright and he's going to continue to be um, a really good attacking threat for us. And again, he he bodied a couple of people in the second half, which is not what he was doing in the first half and making his uh, his way past a couple of uh, challenging players. Liam, care to spare a thought for Mason real quick on kind of the season he's had so far? I think he's been um, remarkable and I think he's probably the, the early symbol of, of Lampard's Chelsea, although Tammy Abraham's doing his best to, to, to take that crown. I think Mount has been has been excellent in pretty much every game. I thought he did a really good and slightly underappreciated until he scored um, job of tracking back, of executing the system, of dropping into those areas that, that caused Wolves problems. And he, he really deserved his goal. Um, you're right in saying he came on strong as the, as the game wore on. He's exceptionally fit. That's another thing to say about Mount. He's put a lot of work in. Over the summer, he, he hired a personal trainer. He's got a private chef. He's, he's really another one like Abraham who's really looked at this season and thought, this is the perfect opportunity to make it at Chelsea. I may never get a better, better one. Um, and he's approached it with that sort of mindset. And you can see... Week after week, he is determined to affect games positively for his team. And I think the encouraging thing with Mount is that he's a really smart technical player who finds a lot of different ways to impact matches. It's not just his goals. And I think that will make him valuable to Chelsea and to England for years to come. He is a bright one, without a doubt, a star for the future who is making his impact now. Uh, but with that being said, Dan, we usually run a man of the match poll after a match, but you just decided not to this week. Yeah, Defend it yourself. It was Tim Abraham. He gets a gets a hat trick. Why, if, why not if it was, give the people a chance to vote? Press the button. Give them that instant gratification. Well, because I, I would need an, <laughs> I would need a fifth option to then spell out Tammy. Uh, so uh, the T A M M Y. So uh, because I couldn't do that. I just uh, opted out to run one. All right. Well, uh, let people know what you felt about that. Uh, Dan will be on Twitter to hear your feedback. But anyways, as the table as it stands, uh, this was before the Arsenal match. and As we record, it is the 86th minute, and I'm looking up on my monitor, and it is 2-2 with Watford. So oh. take that into consideration. Uh, uh, and, and Louise gave up the did. penalty. Yeah, he <laughs> sure did. Um, so Liverpool is still undefeated up top. 15 points. Then you got Man City, Arsenal, again, not having a good result right now. Spurs, Man United, Leicester, Chelsea in seventh. That is where we stay. But I should I should put an asterisk on seventh, right? We are tied on eight points with Spurs, United, Leicester, all above us. We just happen to have a zero goal difference. So that is why we've fallen to seventh. So 
Um, anyways, with all of that being said, this is our match review. Liam, a massive thank you for joining us on the podcast. It has been far too long, and we are hoping, crossing both sets of fingers, that we get to see you in person in London next week. Yeah, hopefully I can make it, guys. It's been a super busy start for the Athletic, but um, yeah, I should, I should be around for those games, so we'll, we'll see what we can do. But it's an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. We'll uh, put the links to make sure you can follow Liam on social media uh, and to his stuff as well on The Athletic. But Nick, Dan, gentlemen, final thought time. Let us know what you want to send out the listeners with. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, I think my final thought would be just like commitment. Um, The team looked extra committed on a short week after an international break. You know, international breaks are way tougher for top six teams than um than other teams like wolves who don't have to commit as many players uh to national teams so i just thought it was a great overall effort from chelsea and uh now with champions league coming up it's it's good momentum dan yeah that that was gonna be my point uh this week is the return of something wonderful and magical and absolutely just the best part of trying to figure out how you coordinate your work schedule, come up with fake doctor's appointments. Um, (laughs) Say you have to go to the dentist five times this season. Um, Champions League, it's back. I'm over the moon excited and uh, can't wait for us to face a Valencia team that has just fired its manager and also just got absolutely uh, slapped from Barcelona. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling bullish. I can't wait for, uh, for Tuesday. It's going to be great. Uh, we'll be there after that as well. So big week of podcasts for you, Chelsea fans, make sure you don't miss them. Uh, but we'll be back after that one. And until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.